0: I'm Robin Hamlow of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Tim Hamilton, co-founder and chief executive officer of Praxent. And we're talking about customization, customization of the customer experience. What are the differentiators, specifically perhaps around customer experience to begin with, that financial services firms need to be focusing on?
1: There absolutely is a time and place for off-the-shelf systems and software within uh, financial services. Obviously, this is the, uh, from our perspective, the internal tool set that runs the bank, that runs the fintech. But increasingly, we're seeing an opportunity to deviate from off-the-shelf solutions when they come with a preset or prescribed front-end digital experience. So it's, it's where that financial services organization or fintech actually touches or interacts with the customer. That's where we see the opportunity for customization.
0: That customization is something that has to come because it's what everybody's been talking about. It's the personalization of the customer experience. But what about the mistakes people make in terms of user experience? What are they getting wrong and how can they avoid stepping into these elephant traps?
1: There are a handful of mistakes. I'll start first and foremost with system centered design versus human centered design. In this industry, in the financial industry, it has grown up with a largely paper-based process over, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years where you've got records and you're forcing account holders and customers through the process of those records. You've taken a system-centric approach as opposed to a human-centric approach. And a well-executed strategy around, around the front end is, is going to take a human-centered approach. The second area where we see room for improvement is design based on intuition as opposed to design based on experimentation and research. There are things that financial services organizations are doing today or not doing today that are driving their customers absolutely crazy. And these represent a huge opportunity to improve. However, it requires a philosophical shift for this organization, for these organizations to figure out what it is that they're doing wrong. And it requires them to start a dialogue with those customers. We find, though, when we meet with a new client, there's oftentimes a fear of interviewing the cu- uh, customers or starting that dialogue. They're concerned that as soon as they start that process, what they're going to unlock in the conscious mind of that customer is, oh, yeah, I do have all these frustrations. All those frustrations are going to come up to the conscious mind, and that customer is going to no longer become you know, be a customer. They're going to leave the organization. But what we find, actually, is that by asking the interview questions and engaging in human-centered UX research we actually unlock more loyalty and a powerful way to inform the future roadmap. I've got a couple of examples I'd be happy to share with you along those lines. In one recent study, we asked a a set of 14 users for a loan product that had a digital onboarding experience. And there was an administrative fee that was positioned in the loan product. And five of the users that we interviewed shared a concern with the admin fee, the administrative fee that was showing up in uh, in the final step of the closing. And two of the users said that they would leave the product or business entirely because of it. That was just one finding that resulted in a wholesale reimagining of the pricing structure that uh, significantly improved conversion. Another example is when we uh, asked users, this was uh, a study of about 10 users. They felt like this particular fintech was asking way too much information from them way too early on. In fact, it was requiring users to open an account before they selected a product. And what we found is that by reversing those in the user journey, all of a sudden conversion rates increased significantly. So I would encourage people to to look out for those times where they're asking either for information in the wrong order or asking for too much information.
0: I'm going to say one phrase to you that sprang to my mind while you were talking, and that is, but we've always done it this way. There is an inertia within the organization towards change.
1: So I, I would go back to the system-centered versus human-centered uh, example, Rob, and that is a perfect elaboration. something that comes up again and again and again around a system-centered approach. These are the way that we've always done things. It's around the record. It's around that paper-based system. It's, it's around the, the way that the in- industry has evolved. And I, I would say that we're seeing increasingly people, disruptive startups and entrepreneurs within established organizations breaking apart and saying well if if we continue to do that we're going to we're going to be subject to the innovator's dilemma that Clayton Christensen famously wrote about we'll be the blockbuster of the industry and so i'm saying that this is a huge opportunity for people to say actually like really start listening in 2022 for any mention of we've always done it this way and use that as a, a lightning rod moment in the organization to say okay no let's there's a real opportunity for innovation and revolutionary change around
0: this particular topic. Let's double click. And for those people of a certain age or under a certain age, perhaps I should remind them that Blockbuster used to rent out video cassettes. <laughs> if I have to explain what a video cassette is, I'm going to give up right here. Let's move on. How is finance going to change, though? Because the other buzz phrase that I'm hearing a lot about now is embedded finance. How is that going to affect the way organisations are presenting themselves?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know the the way that we think about embedded finance is taking financial services value propositions and delivering them into um, non financial services cus- uh, companies and uh, going after pre established audiences or or populations like affinity groups could be an alumni association, could be a healthcare system or a nonprofit or a platform company where you've got you know people on the supply side and people on the demand side like an Uber or an Airbnb and looking at their journey and looking to identify points of friction, not only at the beginning of the customer journey, that's one of the the, the things that we see a lot as well. Don't just look at the early stages of of the customer journey preceding purchase. Look at the middle, the use stages, and the disposal stages at the end of the customer journey. And the opportunity in embedded finance is to say, how could we remove or reduce friction or add moments of delight to increase loyalty, if not even evangelism, by increasing our customer or even suppliers or employees or contractors' sense of productivity that they get from our company, their sense of uh, simplicity and convenience, it could could either be, it could either be related to risk or a psychological factor. And we're, we're strategically evolving the value proposition by introducing financial services products that have never had a home in these industries before. But the really exciting thing here, though, is that it doesn't necessarily leave the banks behind. We actually see a huge opportunity for banking in this transformation. We would like to see embedded finance go from a threat on the, the SWOT charts of banks to an opportunity because as of the last, I think it was a couple of months ago, I heard from our partner FedFiz and, and my friend Dave Mayo that there were about 73 sponsor banks in the United States who are partnering strategically with fintechs to, to provide their balance sheet as a service, to provide the infrastructure that's required to unlock these value propositions as a service. We see this as a huge opportunity for banks in 2022 and beyond. Instead of opening a bank branch, look to launch a fintech sponsor bank strategy.
0: The interesting thing about this, of course, and again, it comes back to, but this is the way we've always done it. The one thing that sends shivers down the spine of a bank, and you kind of alluded to it, is if they get into embedded finance... Their brand identity, they think, is going to disappear or, or suffer because it's not front and center.
1: You're absolutely right. I think that is the major point of resistance that gets this uh, idea knocked off of the strategic priority list. But I would say, what's the alternative? There really is, I, th- I feel like bank- bankers are at a fork in the road moment. They either have to decide to go up market or down market and we'll talk a bit bit about the implications of both. So we've talked a bit about the infrastructure play where they give up that that first hand customer relationship. The alternative is they've got to go and change their core competency. They can no longer engage with account holders and customers the way the way they used to based on a community first set of relationships or a branch based go to market strategy, a local first. I don't think that resonates anymore. It doesn't resonate in today's market with with uh, the, the 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 next generation of account holders. And so what they have to do if they want to maintain the relationship to the end user, they actually have to shift their core competency to one of digital product development. And they've got to become a fintech product development company themselves. And that I would say is Is maybe even a more difficult. It's possible we've seen we've seen people do it successfully, but I would say it's a more difficult transformation because it really does at that point require a complete philosophical change and rewriting of that bank's DNA. And I would just encourage anybody thinking about this to 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 heed Clayton Christensen's wise words and read the book Innovators Dilemma. I believe that is the that is the choice that is confronting the bankers today.
0: Tim Hamilton, co-founder and chief executive officer of Praxen. Thank you very much.